hear me. Скажи мне, американец, в чем сила? А вы что, собираетесь на ней жениться? Да. Ух, красота-то какая, лепота. Таможня дает добро. И вообще не называй меня, пожалуйста, Вероника. Кто я? От ныне русские земля единый быть. My name's Ali, and this is the Rus Files Unite podcast, where we watch Russian films and films with a Russian connection. As always, I am joined by a guest, and today my guest is Joel. Hi, Joel. Hello. My name is Joel. My name is Ali. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> We're just referencing, uh, yeah, one of Joel's uh, podcasts. Uh, as he is, he is on more than one. But I'm, I'm kind of doing your, your job for you here. Thanks, by the way, for uh, yes. coming on the show. Um, so, Joel. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> tell me a bit more about yourself. Uh, so I'm a California native uh, who is uh, obsessed with movies and uh, like I, I, I'm not a prolific podcaster. I do have pod, two podcasts going on. I've got High and Low, which I do with Spencer, uh, previous guest Spencer. And that's all about Japanese movies uh, with a focus on Kurosawa's library. And then I also have another podcast called Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space, where me and my co-host Sarah and Aaron watch science fiction and fantasy movies. Yeah, one of... And... Mm-hmm. Sorry, um, I was going to say one of the uh, the films that that you covered on there was the very first one I covered on here, i.e., uh, Stalker uh, by Tarkovsky. Um, but that's possibly a sore subject. You just like, I mean, why would you choose that to step right out of the gate on? Because it's not it's not exactly easy watching, you know. Here, <laughs> that was purely down to the fact that Lynn and uh, and I were just were just chatting, and we were kind of thinking. You know, we we want to watch this film, and I'd also kind of like to do a, a podcast about Russian films. So Lynn wanted to do to watch that one, and I was kind of like, "Why not? I guess let's let's watch that one." So uh, so so we did. I mean, I'd seen it before, so I kind of knew what I was getting into, but uh, Lynn perhaps didn't. But um, tell us about your experience with with Stalker. <laughs> Well, there's not not a issue with Stalker. It's just like if you look at the library of films that we typically cover on uh, "Please Don't Send Me Out of Space," um, it's it's usually the the more mild stuff, a lot of '80s, a lot of uh, more recent things like that. The, the things that people typically know. We do have a uh, a random movie that we do at least once a month, and that is uh, you know sometimes that'll give us something crazy. But in that particular time, uh, my my co-host for High and Low, Spencer, was a listener to our podcast. 
And we were like, yeah, this guy is really supportive. So we're going to program an entire month just based on his selections. And one of the movies he gave us was Stalker. And, you know, being a film nerd, I already knew about Stalker. I had not watched that movie because Tarkovsky has a reputation as being a, you know, a, a, a thick material, if you will. Yeah, you, you don't, you don't um, embark on watching a Tarkovsky film lightly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like we could watch Terminator Two or Stalker. Wait. Wait. No. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not very much. A, okay. Shove it in the disc drive. Let's just watch this thing. Yeah. It's more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Set aside quite a bit of time where you have uh, plenty of concentration. In full concentration. Exactly. <laughs> Which is not something we have on our podcast. But <laughs> if you listen, you know that that is one of our most popular downloaded episode, and I can only assume it's because uh, a lot of people use it as maybe a primer if they're they're going to watch the movie or if they like have to take a class or something like that. And we we don't try to uh, fake intellectuality because we're not intellectuals. So we we just if you listen to that episode, dear dear Russell Files listener, <laughs> you're going to hear three confused people. <laughs> And it's okay. Like we're, it's not that we didn't enjoy the movie. Uh, I, I think we all appreciate the fact that we saw it, and there are like we reference it later. Like, oh, this is going for a stalker feeling, or like I, I, I went to the the store the other day, and I, I thought I was in the room. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it's not a movie that any of us are racing to rewatch because it hurt us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I tried to watch it something like three or four times before I actually made it all the way through just because I would stupidly put it on like last thing at night and just go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to watch it. And then it would just be like, nope, nope. Everything is just saying, go to sleep, turn this off. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's not, uh, yeah. Like you said, you gotta have, you got a pot of coffee boiling. You gotta have your, uh, your notepad out and be ready to pause it it's it's the movie's already how long is that movie i think it's about two and a half hours so it it's already a a pretty hefty movie but if you're really going to get into it you're going to make it a four-hour experience because you're going to have to you might have to parse it out in your brain yeah yeah but it's gorgeous it's absolutely gorgeous so like uh, i wish i had been able to see it when it had a release recently here in the states uh on a, some uh, big screens mm. but i didn't get a chance to go down to la or anything like that yeah 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 seeing seeing a tarkovsky f- a film on a on a big screen is definitely some one of the, one of the things on the bucket list um yeah very much so uh but from moving or from one really famous cinematic name to to another uh, as you mentioned your um one of your two podcasts is is high and low which is the kurosawa podcast so tell us a bit a little bit more about the format to that one so i should explain that uh go to go back my explanation about uh what i'm all about the whole reason i chose to do podcasts is because i wanted to force people to watch movies with me <laughs> that works <laughs> and i and also uh force them to have discussions with me uh, yeah that that's the kind of situation i'm in uh so with High and Low, we watch a Kurosawa movie, and then we watch another Japanese, uh, Japanese, Japanese. <laughs> we watch another Japanese movie from that same year, and we do kind of a compare and contrast to see what what the 
the feeling around the country was sometimes it's a more popular title than the Kurosawa. Sometimes that's absolutely impossible. You know, when, when we watch one of the, the big Kurosawa movies, we end up watching like a, a gangster film in exchange or, or whatever. And it's, it, it's sometimes it's a, it's a very highlighting fact to see like how Kurosawa was staying within this, this very singular, like, prestige almost like i don't know if it was on purpose or these were the the things that they were assigning him and then you see something like uh i, I don't know we, we've watched a whole bunch of uh you know ito era japanese gangster movies that are they're full of like people's limbs getting cut off and stuff like that it's like what did people want in the country at the time what what was the feeling and uh we've really recently just kind of dwelled into some of the feelings of uh the you know uh, kurosawa has some propaganda films so we we've we've dwelled into that kind of stuff and uh our most recent episode was on his first post-war movie mm. and it, it feels like a, a mere reflection of the one we had watched just before that where it's like he's highlighting the the leftist side that was against the war and against japan that he sort of was having to keep quiet just so he could, you know, get on and do his job before then. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's hard to like we obviously we can't speak to him. We we can't really we can't really talk to an expert on it because we don't we don't have those kind of connections. <laughs> and in this case, uh, the movie was uh, No Regrets for My Youth or for Our Youth, and it's packaged together with a bunch of his post-war movies on the you know the criterion box set so it doesn't come with those bonus extra features with the you know talking heads talking about oh it was influenced like this and all this stuff like that and uh you know it doesn't have any commentary tracks or stuff like that i'm sure i can find an essay or two about it Hmm. but i feel like i don't really get a, a feeling for what kurosawa's actual feelings about the war situation were because uh spencer brought up during uh the most beautiful Kurosawa considered that to be his most personal film, but yeah. that movie is just a hundred percent propaganda, and it's not very interesting because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember when I watched Battleship Pachomkin for another podcast, Classic Schmasic, and the propaganda element was just like, okay, yeah, I get it, I get it, and it, it is a bit of a turn off when you know what it's trying to persuade you, and you're not buying it for a second but yeah that is really interesting that that's i guess he didn't say it was his favorite of his own films but the fact that it was the one with the most of himself or yeah you said he said it was the most personal that's that is interesting yeah and i mean the the main actress in that movie was his later his wife so i can't help but think that that had something to do with it too but you know i don't know yeah i mean that's that's definitely gonna make him less impartial on the subject of uh, of that movie definitely yeah in sort of in in retrospect um yeah i mean as far as kurosawa is concerned it's sort of interesting to me that well i didn't realize how prolific he he'd been until i started listening to you to your show but he tends really to be famous for his for his samurai films in terms of like oh yeah kurosawa sam- samurai is kind of is what he's known for but um those aren't at least from what i i've picked up aren't even necessarily his his best films as at least as far as you guys are concerned they're 
interest I mean they're absolutely wonderful every single one of his his samurai era films he is mind blowing in scope and in acting and, and and stuff like that but I think that when it comes down to his filmmaking it's it's harder to see his influences because he was definitely influenced by earlier filmmakers by western filmmakers by you know like John Ford and and uh, other people before who had come along, but when you see them in the the sense of the the old samurai movies, you know, like obviously Yojimbo feels like a western, and it was later copied to be a western and stuff like that. Sure. But things like Seven Samurai, it's it's a three hour epic, and you you it's it's absolutely gorgeous so it's it's harder to parse where he was getting his things but mm. when you see things that are coming from a more modern japanese setting like uh well now i'm drawing a blank I, i'm not an expert i should say this <laughs> all that well but let's high and low for instance yeah, absolutely. High and low. I mean, we we talk about how much that feels like a Hitchcock movie mm. and how much it's it's a it's definitely film noir. You know, it's got all these modern aspects of Japan with it, only a few peeks into what people think of as like back then traditional Japanese living, and that's always when they enter into the poor area as opposed to the the higher upper class thing. That's that's another thing I'm noticing more recently is that the more money people seem to have as characters in the movie, the more Western they act as opposed to the, the rural villages, right? And it's like a, a high and low, obviously, hugely critically acclaimed. Um, but if you ask the average movie watcher, like, oh, do you like any Kurosawa movie? They they name the samurai films. Sure. Um, as, as far as the non-Kurosawa ones that you've watched, uh are there any sort of hidden hidden gems or like favorite ones of those that you kind of discovered as a result of doing them on the podcast? Well, let me, let me tell you about a little movie called Godzilla that uh, <laughs> <laughs> Godzilla. The original Godzilla is actually really good. Mm, <laughs> in case yeah. uh, somebody has uh, for some reason not watched, that. I have never actually seen it. I'm afraid, which makes me feel sad that I've seen the uh, the 1998 one um, with Matthew Broderick. And, <laughs> you know. Uh, you can't. Mind. I mean, that's that's just an effect of the era. When when are you going to see the the other Godzilla? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're not going to be showing that on like a wet uh, lunchtime uh, at school um, or like at the end of term. You know, when I'm still a teenager. No, it's yeah. going to be the 1998 one. Although I mu- I must say that film is almost redeemed by the presence of Jean Reno. But maybe that's just because I like Jean Reno too much. Um, I mean, Jean Reno can't see that movie. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> that's that's a movie where they were like they were like, well, the Americans caused this, right? No, no, no. Uh, let's blame the French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they'd been doing get, get a French get get Jean Reno in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's good in it. But then he's he's good in oh, of course, of course. Seen, but yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, we're kind of off on a tangent. <laughs> so uh, other, I mean, other things that were that are non Kurosawa that really stand out. Like I, I've absolutely fallen in love with the more uh, stylized gangster films. Uh, the Tokyo Drifter is one of my favorite now. That's a Seijin Suzuki movie, and that's that's a gangster action musical 
Nice. And it is gorgeous. I'm just dying to see it on the big screen. Um, Recently, I got... uh, Don't tell anyone. (laughs) Recently, I I got knowledge that I may be able to get some movies projected. And uh, I was like, oh, I think I need to buy a Blu-ray now. (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's just like so much fun, and uh, Spencer hates it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I personally fell in love with the style, and there are there, there's oh, most of the time it's I mean, Kurosawa was very good for the most part, but sometimes there's just like you get blown away by the the other things that were going on at the time. There is one called Pigs and Battleships by Imamura. Oh, I thought uh, you might mention this one, yeah, because you've mm-hmm. you've kind of come come back to this one as a as a favorite on several episodes yeah 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 it just kind of blew us away because it it's set in the modern time uh you know 1961 or maybe a little bit before that Mm. but it's it's another gangster-ish film but it really focuses around one young guy who who thinks he's gonna move up in the world and he's kind of an He's kind of a, an, an a-hole and, you know, his, his girlfriend is attached to him. And it just deals with all these modern, like, taboo subjects, I feel like. Like, there's a, there's a scene where his girlfriend goes and she just goes and gets an abortion. And it's not, like, it's not graphic. It's not showing her getting an abortion. But she, she goes to a clinic and they're and like, okay, we'll take care of it over here. It's, it's, it's just a thing. Yeah. You know, and they don't make a big deal about it. It's it's like in happening in this country, somebody would have been banging a Bible in her face, but there it was just like, No, I have to go get it done, I'll go get it done. Yeah, and certainly I guess a nineteen sixty film in Britain or or the US, that just yeah, it wouldn't I can't imagine it would get made or or it would be yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Looking at the the films coming out at the same time, like Breakfast at Tiffany's, uh, West Side Story. Yeah, yeah. Well, I and Breakfast at Tiffany's, they totally, almost totally uh, sweep under the carpet what she actually does for a living. Yeah, she's a cat watcher, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. Professional, <laughs> professional cat sitter. Yeah, very, very lucrative. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Muy bueno. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. I, that's just reminding me of the Mickey Rooney thing, seeing as we were on the subject of Japanese stuff. Uh, shudder. Well, sorry I brought that up. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, oh, oh, no. Uh, I've totally lost it now, because I'm just thinking of racist, racist uh, uh, Mickey Rooney. I mean, it's not his... So, uh, I mean, if you're looking for uh, Japanese movies, that's great to do. But we've also watched yeah. a bunch of Ozu stuff who... He's considered a master mm, now, but yeah, he yeah. wasn't until the last, you know, maybe the last thirty years. And uh, so, like his, it's it's such a contrast of Ozu stuff compared to Kurosawa stuff compared to some of the more actiony Japanese stuff because Ozu's is mostly just these slices of life. Mm. And our favorite one is this like comedy drama called Good Morning, which uh, has fart jokes in it, and uh, that's that's about all you need to know. You should watch it. Nice. All right, <laughs> add it to the list. Um, so, kind of the reason why I've been talking with you so much about High and Low is because we're actually watching a Japan-related film. A well, it, yeah, it focuses focuses us on Japan. The film we're watching today is The Sun. And the director of that is Alexander uh, Sokurov. Um, it's from 2005. And it focuses on, I think it's, I don't know very much about this going in, but the last days of World War II 
um, with the Japanese emperor Hirohito. So that is the the connection with with that. Um, I don't. Have you seen any of uh, this director's other films by any chance? No. I, uh, oh, that's interesting. I am actually about. 30 minutes into the movie Russian Ark and it ah, is yes. it is fantastic. Okay, like, yeah, cuz that was that was the one that was the one film that I thought if if you've heard of this guy, this is the film of his that you've heard of. I haven't seen it yet, but it's on my list to watch. I've but I thought just to be a contrarian, I'll watch this one first and not the famous one. But yeah. <laughs> well, it fits in it fits into the other the into Please Don't Send Me in Outer Space because it's kind of a man out of time. Mm. And it's all done from this first person view where you can hear the protagonist's thoughts. At least that's that's as far as I I know it is. And it's just gorgeous. This is another movie I'd I'd love to see projected. Um but it it's also confusing because you don't really know what the threat is, if there's going to be a story, what's going on. So, uh, I, you know, I, like I said, I'm 30 minutes in. i got to finish it up. Yeah, I mean, that, that one's kind of famous for, as I say, I haven't seen it, and it, it sounds a bit like a gimmick, but essentially it's one take. And, yeah. And they, you know, they, did, they used, like, post-production to remove uh, stuff from the frame digitally that wasn't supposed to be there. But they had, I think they had, like, three goes at it, and it's just, it's like an hour and a half, and it's just, it doesn't cut away. And you kind of think, wow, just as a achievement to orchestrate that, you know. Yeah. Just thinking, doing this podcast and, you know, getting like five minutes in and then saying something stupid and going, oh, no. <laughs> to, um, and, it, you, you know, you can cut around that. But just the whole, okay, the whole point is we're not cutting. And if someone just, I mean, obviously they did take stuff out but you know if somebody makes a serious mistake it's like you know 40 minutes in it's like right back to the start right if something if if a part of the set falls in or something <laughs> like that. oh no right whoever's job it is to secure that you are now fired um or executed whatever we can afford <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah maybe in stalin's russia but uh yeah yeah um Anyway, yeah, so um so that's that's the the film that we're that we're watching watching today and I'm I'm glad to hear that that's that's shaping up to be a good one one so far. The Russian arc that is. So we'll definitely get back to that one. All right. I think we should probably wrap things up for the time being then. So what we do at this point, I always make my guests speak a little bit of Russian. It's one word and that word is payekhli. Payekhli. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh, I've done it again. I always, I always sound so so patronising. But um, but yeah, it's got that h sound in. That's uh, uh, that's a bit tricky. But um, so what that is is it's what Yuri Gagarin said as he was becoming the first man in space as he was blasting off because it means something more or less like off we go or we're off. So um, oh. so yeah, so. You could use it on... I would have assumed it, it was a uh, curse word, but uh, you cleared that <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not making you uh, uh, use Russian profanities uh, against your, uh, without your knowledge, don't worry. <laughs> All right, so, three, two, one. Payakhali! Thank you.
And we're back. Uh, we've just watched The Sun, uh, directed by Alexander Sokorov from 2005. And before we discuss the movie, Joel's going to give us a quick summary of it, of it. So over to you, Joel. Certainly. The, the movie is about the last days in Japan before they surrender over to the American government. Uh, here we follow Hirohito in his incredibly boring day-to-day life being you know stuck inside this uh this house it's not even really i mean i guess it's a mansion based on the size but it because of the the closed quarter nature of where he's allowed to go for safety reasons and who he's allowed to interact with it feels tiny yeah, almost like a kind of military bunker. Some of the sort of corridors and stairwells have much yeah. more of that kind of a feel. Yeah, when he goes, you know, he does at one point go underground and into through some tunnels to be able to speak to the people who are handling uh, the active military side. You know, and ev- everyone is, is presenting a, a positive, you know, a semi-positive uh summary of yeah, yeah what's going or, on yeah. to this uh, the god emperor because every everyone still thinks or thought back in that day apparently that the emperor was descended from gods and the eventually the american army shows up they you know it's they they are completely terribly obnoxious they uh set up a meeting between um is that macarthur yeah between general macarthur and hirohito and it's i mean that that's basically what it is it it just all leads up to when hirohito actually surrenders to macarthur sign you know signing the paper and such it's a very slow like chamber piece if that's the term yeah it's 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 an odd it's an odd movie it's it's quite um in some ways it's you feel like it'd be better suited to tv rather than like i can't imagine going to going to the cinema and seeing this almost yeah yeah that is uh exactly what i was thinking i once watched this six hour history of the medicis which i believe was a antonioni uh tv movie production and Mm. it reminded me a lot of this because it was a lot of people talking to each other about like and this this agreement was made between these people and and you know very soft music there there wasn't much music going on in this movie if any i don't i don't really remember uh but it yeah it has a very like i don't know what to say low budget i guess yeah kind of i mean i i don't know whether this was just my copy and i you know i watched it on a legit dvd but it seemed really quite grainy yeah um and you know i guess it was it was made well i know it was made about 13 years ago so it it's not like technology back then was that bad so i feel like was that a stylistic choice or i don't yeah. know yeah yeah i mean they might have gone for that dogma 95 natural light kind of thing i mean i i i could almost see that being the case with the you know when hirohito is just shuffling around his offices with the the two manservants who are taking care of him but it just has a very i mean that goes along i I think it's purposeful i think it just goes along with the whole dour uh feeling you know the the boredom the absolute boredom 
of of Hirohito's life at this point, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's fair to say it's not an interesting movie. I think we've kind of all already established we both feel that way. But would you say it's a well-put-together film? It is in some respects... I'm not sure, like, I don't really know what the the histor- historical, like, actual events of this situation was. You know, even though I, I co-host a Japanese movie podcast, <laughs> I, I really haven't looked into history other than when it occurs uh, with a movie we've watched. So I don't, I don't know what Hirohito's situation was. I don't, I don't know uh, what the American side was, how that, all that stuff worked out. But it it feels true to life. Like, I can say that because in situations where you feel like something big is going to happen, like, in context of your your own life, you can think of events that have happened and they may seem mundane, but if you... In a context of, like, the bigger picture, it might be a very important event or something like that. You know, I, I could see that being the case, especially with... Uh, this in this case, somebody who's being so heavily protected that he's he's being like literally shielded from the news and everything like that. Yeah, like there's one little sequence where the Americans are driving him to this first meeting with MacArthur, and you you just get to him looking out of the window of the car and seeing all this sort of devastation, and he doesn't say anything, but you he you can see it's visibly like shocked him um at least that's that's what i got out of that yeah because there's nothing like that in his like immediate environment even when he goes outside of the location where he's being kept it's it's still like somebody's taking care of the lawns and and the the trees everything looks you know as perfect as they can make it look out there well and and down to the fact that somebody literally dresses him like very early on you know he's changing he's changing clothes and somebody and his really old manservant is put is doing up the buttons on his shirt or at least you know trying to with uh, sort of uh, eventual success i guess you'd say but that that's just incredibly hard to relate to <laughs> yeah he's um, not go ahead he's not one of us he is used to a particular lifestyle, although he doesn't seem particularly happy about it either. I mean, he's in the even in the beginning, he's he's talking about like how I'm just a human, just like everybody, and then he sees how visibly upset it's making his manservants, and he's like, "I'm just kidding." Yeah, it was just a joke. Ha 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 ha! <laughs> you know all those great. I'm not really divine material. It's 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 a classic every time. Mm. or something yeah yeah and they still they i mean even with that like him being this this descended from gods thing they they treat him like a child in the sense that he is scheduled like he's scheduled for nap time (laughs) yeah 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 um they there's a bit where they literally go your highness this is what you're going to be doing today Mm -hmm. and he's like okay yeah which is well there was a point where he says like well can't we do this and he's like and the guy just repeats the schedule. No, blah, blah, blah from this time. Like, he doesn't say no. He just says, you know, 1600 this, 1700 and that, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then I can't remember who it is, whether it's whether it's Hirohito or whether it's somebody else says, but yeah, of course, if the Americans show up, then the schedule's out the window. Right. 
speaking of speaking of which, you mentioned earlier on that you thought the Americans were kind of obnoxious. Could you develop that a bit? I mean, I don't know. Uh, what do you think? You don't think they're too bad? Is that what you're saying? You want to hang out with these guys? No, no, I got that <laughs> feeling too. So it's 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 quite reassuring that an actual American thought that too. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, we act like the Americans are always like you know very disrespectful. We're always uh, trying to you know uh, pushing people around, taking pictures, and and. Uh, you know, no, I don't. That's that's not the case. Like these are, I guess these are supposed to be rambunctious American soldiers that are like, we won, we won. So, what do we have to? We don't have to respect any of this stuff like that. And yeah, it's, yeah. it comes off as just frankly disgusting. Like the the way these guys are acting around it, and the 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 manservants, you know, the, the and the caretakers that are on this facility taking care of the emperor are you know they are so grossed out by this and they cannot believe their shock on this hirohito is actually handling it like okay whatever you know yeah he kind of it, rolls with the punches surprisingly well for somebody who is not used to people not being on their best behavior mm-hmm. which i thought was interesting yeah he's not i mean maybe he didn't understand necessarily what was going on like these americans are yelling hey charlie do this charlie that you know referring to charlie chan Oh, is that what that was? That makes yeah. sense now. Oh, that's oh man. Yeah, no, that went over my head. That's yeah. gross. Yeah, it's incredibly gross and probably absolutely true. Mm. <laughs> what do you think of the guy who played um, MacArthur? Um, he was interesting. I'd never never seen that actor before. So that was, I mean, I'd never seen any of this cast before. So that that always helps you kind of when it's a historical thing buy in a bit more than when it's someone super famous. It's like. Brad Pitt is, I don't know, JFK. Yeah. I mean, like, random example. And it's like, no, it's Brad Pitt. Um, I thought, yeah, he was interesting. And and in terms of the obnoxiousness, I think he, the way he his character conducted himself, I found was almost more got to me than how the soldiers did. Because to an extent, it's kind of like these really young guys who've kind of never been anywhere in their life and there's a certain amount of like crowd mentality and egging each other on going on so it's kind of like not to excuse it but it's kind of like okay well that's sort of understandable that they might not behave as as you'd like but it's you've got this really important you know experienced proper grown-up and he's just being this really smug patronizing yeah but in in terms of the performance yeah he if if the director was going for this guy is supposed to rub you up the wrong way, he, he really did it because he's just yeah yeah he does uh, he he really rubs me like the actor rubbed me as somebody who done a lot of uh, local theater <laughs> I don't know I didn't <laughs> really buy the the sort of gravitas that that should have gone with the, at least the American version. Of MacArthur, and mm-hmm. I think that's like perfect. I think that is for for showing how kind of like human everyone was, and and how awkward and and upsetting things would have been at that point. Like I think this is kind of perfect in that sense because 
Uh, just just look at the, uh, I just looked up this uh, actor Robert Dawson who played uh, MacArthur. Yeah, and his movie credits are the Coco Chanel TV movie that was made uh, that uh, had Shirley MacLaine in it. The mm. uh, this movie, obviously, The Sun, and a movie called Class of Nukem High Two: Subhumanoid <laughs> Meltdown. Yeah, I think I yeah I was scrolling because th- I hadn't seen him, so I'd looked at the IMDb thing mm-hmm. too, and it is like yeah, it's a weird bunch. So it's kind of clearly the director's going for well, I'm going to get somebody who's not a big star. <laughs> yeah they probably yeah they probably tried out a couple of people and i mean the guy's an actor i'm not I'm not saying that but sure it is like uh, uh, yeah watching it as an american knowing the way world war Two, like uh the the figureheads of those are, are held up in in this crazy esteem it, it was off-putting and it was appropriate in my opinion yeah it wasn't having it as being this kind of grand figure of stature or however you'd put it yeah yeah so um i mean maybe that's something you get by having a non-american director i mean um it's too simplistic to say that the movie takes a dim a dim view of the american side because it's directed by a russian and of course you know russians famously get on well with (laughs) americans but you wonder whether there's a certain element of that going on i mean certainly i was surprised how sympathetic i felt towards the emperor actually just from the way it was portrayed like there was this uh speaking of macarthur being a jerk like one of the big examples is he says is they're talking about these plates and he said well they came from this german baron and uh, apparently he used to meet with uh, your best friend all the time Uh, and the emperor's like huh what 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 do you mean yeah. and he's like you know hitler and obviously not quite in that tone of voice but it is oh, kind of basically like, yeah <laughs> it's just like you're a grown up you're you know that that's not how top level geopolitics works necessarily so yeah it just seems like a bit of a well there's, you're not really in a position you, you can argue, so I'm just going to say anything to you. I mean, they, they must have figured they were having their own fireside chats, right? It's Hirohito, Mussolini, and Hitler all getting together. <laughs> yeah. and <laughs> Their own version. Yeah, and, and uh, Hirohito's really offended, because I think he knows that Hitler is not a nice man that you want to be associated with. And I, oh, it doesn't seem like he's offended. It seems like he's... I mean, he's very matter-of-fact with all of these handlings. Like, he understands the situation. So he's just like, I have never met, uh, what what does he call him, Uh, something, whatever his title is, Hitler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Like, obviously. And then he explains they they joined because that was, like, based on what they knew, it was the winning side. Yeah. And yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, to, to be fair to... MacArthur. I mean, the war in the Pacific was really nasty, and a whole load of Americans died in the process. So absolutely, and you know, Pearl Harbor, the the Japanese started it. So you kind of, yeah, you would understand why he wouldn't necessarily be super courteous towards the guy. But it is just kind of like, wow, that's that's not very mature. So if that's really the way it went, and I, I have no idea how historical it is it's kind of like 
you'd kind of expect better from somebody at that level, but yeah, maybe I'm being super naive. <laughs> well, it seemed the first time they met, it seemed like he he had very little respect for him. This it seemed like the second time that they they met together, there was there was more of a a like uh, we understand what's going on situation. You know, we're sharing a meal conversation type thing. Like it's still he was still being disrespectful in the sense that obviously he must have been angry about the whole thing. But I think at that point he uh just after their first meeting he probably had realized this Hirohito is not this like mastermind who was purposely going out to destroy America. You know, he is he is responsible in the sense that he's the leader of the country, but he's not he he's not a, an America and a hating, you know, monster or something like that. Yeah, I mean, as I say, it portrays him him very sympathetically, and and or at least I I thought so. I mean, in terms of the actor who plays Hirohito, uh, Issei Agata. Yeah. What did you think of him? I th- I thought he did fine. I just don't. Once again, I don't know much about the historical figure. You know, this. Yeah. Did Hirohito have this lip, you know, uh, spasm thing that he was doing the whole time? Yeah, that, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was like, that was really weird. That really, um, that was one of the things I most noticed about his performance. Actually, was this kind of weird, like tick. It's almost like it's almost like he's pursing his lips and they kind of flap a bit before he speaks. Like he's gonna say something and then he's not, and then he's gonna say it again. And it's yeah, it's it's super odd. Yeah, what was what was the thing that he was super uh, into his his like personal hobby was a marine life yeah marine biology like we have this whole scene where he's in a lab and he takes out this crab and yeah. and he mentions that it has the, the, the its shell means that some people call it like a say it looks like a samurai head because it looks like this like mask that they used to yeah. wear and and then it and- goes on yeah sorry Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, he's he's into marine life. He's kind of doing that mouth thing, which which I kind of feel like fish do, right? If you look at <laughs> yeah. cool yeah. fish in the chamber, they're just kind of moving their mouth. They're like, I, I don't think it's necessarily what's going on. I'm sure Hirohito must have had this particular tick. Yeah. And that's why they did that. And it, it comes off as so obvious because this is, I mean, this is a, like, they could have called this Hirohito instead of the sun. Because mm. uh, this, it, it's like all about him and it's intimate him you know we're, we're close up on his face so many times while he's saying yeah. these things yeah i almost read that as being like some kind of like manifestation of the stress just really really getting to him yeah that could be too because i mean how bad would that be to not only you're the leader of your country and you've just had your behind handed to you spectacularly in, in a war but also they think you're divine so it's kind of like I don't know. <laughs> it's it's just very weird to get your head around. Um and yeah. he's and he's really just, you know, this regular guy who'd far rather just be in his lab and looking at crabs and stuff. Yeah. Um although in that that scene brought up something I was totally unaware of because he just he he kind of has this musing going on where he's looking at this crab and he's saying, "Oh, yes, uh, you find these off in other parts of the world, but the one, the kind that you find in Japan, they don't stray very far from the shore and migration and immigration and emigration. And then that gets him thinking about this law that California passed in 1924, I think it was, banning 
any more Japanese people coming to the state, which I had no idea about. So in in that regard, it was <laughs> quite educational for me and quite shocking. Yeah, I didn't know about that specific law, but I, I had learned recently that that the U.S. was involved in like war, the war that Japan was fighting in China, like uh, Russia and and the U.S. apparently came to the the aid in that in that case against Japan. So mm. there, there's like old feelings that I was not. I had no idea. I had I didn't know the U.S. had touched Japan until World War II, and then uh, a movie we were a propaganda movie called Army by uh, Kinoshita, I believe, uh, went through a couple of generations of of characters and they were talking about the U S warships, you know, attacking the army and stuff like that. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. This is like the 1920s. And of course it turns out it was just something that I had no idea about, which is par for the course with American history. That was one of the things watching this movie was just thinking, I do not know anything really other than very broad brushstrokes about this part of world war Two, it's kind of like because for us in in the uk it's we did have lots of troops over in in the far east and lots of people got captured when the japanese um invaded what's now myanmar and a lot of our pow's were treated really really badly and the explanation i've always heard for that was that the japanese at that point didn't think it was honorable to surrender so if you'd surrendered to them they were kind of entitled to treat you as horribly as they felt like so we kind of know it from that angle and other than that it's it's just world war ii in terms of popular history here is just so much nazis 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 it's yeah (laughs) so we don't really get that that picture and and because Hitler is such a huge figure, Hirohito is like, oh yeah, and the Japanese were involved too. Yeah, J- Japan as a whole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's sort of Japan as a whole, and yeah, we've kind of heard of Hirohito because he was sort of the leader, but because he's not this, you know, weird, horrific monster figure that Hitler is, it's kind of like... yeah. I mean, you don't th- think of it that w- way because, yeah, Hitler, huge amount of atrocities. You think of Mussolini. Mussolini did, you know, terrible things. Was a crazy dictator. You don't think of Hirohito as doing that, but like Japan did terrible things. Oh <laughs> yeah, mean, totally, totally. But, not, but nobody's like, oh, it was Hirohito who did it. Yeah, and at least uh, the way this movie portrays it, it, it seems like. He was the figurehead, and he had some say in it, but it wasn't. He wasn't kind of like, and then we should go and do this kind of thing. It was more like people were saying, um, "Your Majesty, we should go off and do this," and he would be like, "Yeah, yeah, okay." Um, I mean, that's. <laughs> I wasn't doing anything, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Can I just go back to my uh, my uh, biology lab now, please? Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of like that. Um, and writing really depressing poetry, which is the other thing we see him do at one point. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so like in terms of how the movie was directed, were there anything that you, any things that you liked? Sorry, it's the total non sequitur, but never mind. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I mean, uh, there's not much to talk about plot-wise, so. 
No, you know, no. Pick out the things, and uh, like that—that that also goes for direction-wise. Like uh, having not seen any of this, uh, the other person's movies, and uh, from what I understand, this is uh, part of a trilogy, right? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's one on Lenin, and then there's one on Hitler. So yeah, it was it was kind of interesting. This movie got me thinking slightly of downfall in the sense that it's you know that very last period before it's the end for that right. uh power in the war but it's it's so different because it's removed from that it's not at the center of of berlin and the roofs falling in it's kind of removed and hirohito who you know is clearly very stressed and very upset with how things are going but he he seems like a relatively decent guy <laughs> as opposed yeah. to you know hitler um yeah yeah i can't i can't really say anything about the directing i don't it didn't stand out as neither either good or bad i'm mm. not i'm not sure like i'm not even sure about the, uh, i can comment on the cinematography it was mostly mm. held still <laughs> you know from from room to room yeah and and that's not necessarily a bad thing but it doesn't stand out either Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, One thing I was going to say I noticed, but I watched the beginning of it the first time round with my wife until she got bored <laughs> um, and opted out. And and she pointed out that, um, at least in the bit that we were, I was watching with her, it's all on a slant, like at the at the beginning, like just the the angle of the camera, it's just slightly wonky. And it's like that in every single shot for... I guess the early part of the movie until until the Americans show up and it's just it's so consistent and I thought this is this is definitely they have decided that they are doing that it's just not just someone was slightly sloppy that day and right. I guess that's supposed to I'm assuming that's meant to convey that all is not well but I mean sometimes it was so slanted that it almost looked like you know like it was a ship and it was tilting and people were going to be sliding to one side of the deck um right. i just moved i just moved my hand across the uh, the screen as if like as if this is on video but <laughs> uh but you you know what i mean it's it's yeah so that was that was kind of the only thing that particularly stood out to me um and then there was one other thing which was uh, the weird fish bombing dream slash well he's just woken up but he's taking his nap and then he wakes up and he's sitting up in bed and then you have this weird sort of fiery vision of of a city being being bombed from the air it seems and it's just it's kind of hard to make out but there's these big f- fires but instead of like regular bombers it's these kind of weird fish in the shape of bombers if that makes any sense um and they some of them are kind of swooping and then some of them are falling like their bombs coming out of a a plane and it's it's super weird but that's the only kind of like standout thing besides you know in in all of it really Um, that's basically his life at that point you know all he thinks about is the bombings the destroying of his country and his his precious marine life yeah Uh, i don't think that i don't think that anything like you said was done spur of the moment i feel like this director probably had storyboarded out everything that he wanted shot in a particular way done in a particular way it doesn't feel accidental it it doesn't it it feels kind of like a stage play in that like i could feel like there's blocking like you start over here and then you go to this seat and you 
you move to another seat like uh, those scenes in the office with MacArthur and Hirohito there's a lot of them like shifting position offering things moving uh, looking at stuff it's it's not like somebody's just wandering around the room it feels like there was tape on the ground and you're like you're now you're at this spot kind of thing. yeah yeah in fact that's there's one uh, speaking of offering things there's there's one bit where uh macarthur's offering hirohito a cigar and in, initially hirohito turns it down and then says actually I, I i would like it and it won't light and so you have um macarthur saying just light it off mine and and they kind of lean in and their faces are really close to each other and right i I don't know why I'm particularly bringing it up, but it was kind of like a. No, it's it's a weird moment. Yeah, just because normally you <laughs> you wouldn't have two military enemies up that close um, in a sort of yeah. diplomatic negotiation. So that's yeah. quite a weird. Yeah, as you say, it's a, it's an odd it's an odd moment. Um, it's like he he wanted to stare his enemy directly in the eye or something like that, and so he took this opportunity. Yeah, yeah, you could totally read it like that. Yeah, I can, I can see that. But it, it has this weird intimacy. Yeah, bec- yeah, because of that, and it is, it's, it's an uncomfortable part. And I, once again, I, I feel like that must be done on purpose. Yeah, like because it's an uncomfortable situation. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, uh, you were saying something, and then I interrupted you. Um. <laughs> Which is my want, sorry. <laughs> no, I don't remember anyways. <laughs> um, oh, uh, there, were a f- there were a few things which I was kind of like, is this meant to be funny or is this just, I don't know, my weird way of interpreting things? But there's there's a bit where he's he's got all these statues on his desk of various different people. It's quite eclectic. Uh, but he has Napoleon on there and he looks at Napoleon as like, hmm... Um, and then he hides it in a desk drawer. And it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's probably a pretty good idea. You don't want the, the Americans to see you with this Napoleon statue because they might interpret you as having some kind of delusions no. of grandeur. <laughs> some sort of complex, maybe, yeah. Yeah, or, you know, just desire to conquer everyone in a, you know, hubristic, disastrous way. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So I thought that was that was kind of funny. Um and then the other thing that was that was very weird was uh, the possibly poisoned chocolate. Yep. <laughs> um, I mean, that's isn't it? Famously, uh, they they sent chocolates to Winston Churchill that had bombs in them. So, I mean, it's not that crazy an idea. <laughs> uh, sorry, who who sent Winston Churchill bomb uh, chocolate? I'm not sure which which person did, but during World War II, apparently one of the things that one of, one of the enemies tried to do was send chocolates that had explosives in them to Winston Churchill. I'm not sure how close they got or whatever, but the, and it could be it could be hearsay, it could, it could okay. be completely fake, but that's that's one of the stories I've heard. Clearly, they had just not done their research properly because if you're trying to get. Churchill, it would need to be some kind of strong alcohol. That would be the way to do it. Eh, he looks like a man who might enjoy some chocolate. Come on. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Not all of that uh, that blubber could be uh, from from just the booze. Although you never know. He was, he was pretty spectacular. Oh, no. He had a very sharp mind. Yeah, yeah. 
all things <laughs> well just anyway but considering the you know the yeah i i like the guy's reaction to that when when hirohito you know is handing out the bars to everybody which mm, is funny mm. because when when they leave he everyone hands the bar back anyways but yeah. he makes the one guy actually try it and you you can tell that the guy almost likes it but he immediately has to go oh oh, oh i much prefer rice candies this is you know it's really brilliantly acted because you just see this this like moment of of pleasure and it's like ooh chocolate because he won't have tasted that for a while. Yeah, wouldn't have had anything like that probably. No, um, and it's just like a split second, and then as you say, he's kind of like mm, liking chocolate, especially American chocolate. It's not patriotic, so yes, rice rice sweets much better. None of this American muck. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, yeah, it, it's kind of like is that product placement because if it is it's the freaking weirdest product placement i have ever seen in a movie so i don't think it is product placement and yeah yeah it's just that sometimes the way it's held up it's slightly like that bit in whichever one of the wayne's worlds it is that it's just very level and like face on with the camera so you can definitely see what the brand is um, yeah it's, I mean, it, it, like, that's another insult, probably. Like, oh, send, send this boy man chocolate. He'll, he'll like that. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Or, or, or maybe it's just kind of like, well, all their industries are going to be destroyed after the war. So, hey, let's get them hooked on this stuff. <laughs> you know what? They're going to like chocolate because everyone likes it, right? Right? No, not necessarily. But anyway, that was, that was weird. Yeah, I mean it's it's just one of the moments that that stands out in all. Like I said, this it feel everything feels awkward, and I, I think on purpose. Mm, and yeah. that's just one of the many scenes where it's it's like what what is going on here? Like who who thought this was a good idea? Why you know why is it being conducted like this? Yeah. 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 Is is bizarre but as you say it's it's very deliberately so so um you said you hadn't seen other films by this guy but i thought you mentioned that you'd seen russian arc oh yeah i that's i totally forgot about that i haven't seen the entirety of russian arc i've seen about the first 45 minutes of it and that's that's (laughs) you want to talk about polar opposites that movie is nothing but movement it's nothing about flowing there's obviously hundreds of extras in it because it's all uh taking place uh i'm not not sure where it's supposed to be but uh, you know the it's all done from a first person view so the character is walking or being guided constantly through these different environments and yeah i'm like these are both uh, quote-unquote art movies in, in the sense that I don't think a general audience would be crazy about them. Yeah, it's it's not it's not like Transformers three or you know meant to pack out the 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 multiplexes. No, well, Transformers three is an art movie. Also, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, sorry, yes, uh, besmirching Michael Bay's reputation. I, I take it back. Um, yes, yeah. Um, I think I think that was shot in in the Winter Palace in St. Petersburg, which is literally where the czars used to live until hmm. the russians decided that that was not a thing they wanted to have anymore <laughs> i see yeah. yes so uh and it's now um 
basically a massive... That's, that's when all those Russian czars got to retire, right? Y- yes, yes, the, to the farm upstate. Uh, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> I can't believe I'm joking about <laughs> a whole family being murdered in a horrible Sorry, way. I bring that out in people. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, never mind. But yeah, it's it's now like a massive, massive art gallery. I, I actually went there for a few hours when I was in St. Petersburg like seven years ago, and it's just like, it's one of those you could probably go there every day for a, a week and for a couple of hours and see quite a bit of it, but still not get around at all yeah so all right um so i kind of feel like we've covered this movie in a fair amount of depth is it a dumb question given the content of our discussion to ask you whether you'd recommend it to people <laughs> i mean what it that's you're gonna have to tell me what you mean by dumb like do you, you already think you know i think i know you're gonna say you're probably not but yeah, that's correct. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't say to, that this is a, a rush on. See it. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't even like uh, compare because it, it's it's a well done movie. I wouldn't say it's a good movie. It's an interesting movie, but it feels like it feels like homework. Like there are movies that I watch on purpose because of uh, my ongoing film education, where I. I I feel a sense of boredom, not not actual boredom, like I'm not distracted looking for something else to do, but I feel like the material is is a little thick and is a little purposeful in what a director is trying to go for. And that that feels like you know the vegetables for my 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 brain for my my film watching thing. It, like I would compare it to Stalker, except for Stalker is a much 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 more interesting movie than this was. I was gonna say like where does it compare with? Because I think we mentioned this in the intro, so apologies if we didn't. I'll just cut that bit out. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so, like where does it go on the on the Stalker scale of of weird slash not deliberately entertaining movies so yeah that's interesting to get that view there's there's a there's a certain purposeful mediocrity to this movie that stalker does not have stalker stalker is purposely obtuse yeah this i feel like is purposely boring to show that that historical you know context that that life that hirohito was living yeah that being hirohito at the end of world war ii really mm-hmm. kind of sucked yeah you know whether that was his fault or not um. oh yeah yeah speaking of the end we didn't mention at the very end he finally gets reunited uh, uh does he get reunited with his kid or just his wife uh we just see his wife and his kids are meant to be out in the corridor but we just see them go out into the corridor we don't actually see the kids right and there's a, there's a level of reserved excitement that the actor is showing because he finally, after who knows how long, is reunited with these people, that at that point it feels like this kind of like sweet, like earned feeling. Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought it was quite touching. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I think it almost makes the movie worth watching just because it's like you're you're following through on the story, and at the end, it is it is a pretty nice reward that you you feel like everything 
paid off in this weird way yeah. because it's it's not a happy story absolutely not no and there's also a there's also a bit of a knife in the guts at the end as well because he hirohito turns to his chamberlain and said so uh what happened to the guy who that young man who recorded my speech and the guy goes uh yeah he he killed himself and i'm like oh right as you do uh, yeah uh, presumably because the implication being that this was such a dishonorable thing to be a part of that the guy just couldn't handle it. Yep. Um, I was like, oh man. And yeah, and Hirohito says, did you try and stop him? Like, no. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Why would I do that? <laughs> because it's a person and suicide is horrible. No. No one says that, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a really sad film and whilst it's not an enjoyable film and i like you i wouldn't necessarily recommend it unless somebody specifically asked me for you know like you said um please recommend to me a film that feels like homework um they're like okay i have a movie for you um but it did i it's going too far to say I feel like I understand the Japanese experience in World War Two. It's like, no, that's ridiculous. But I feel like I have a little bit more insight into it than I did going in, and it made me want to in- investigate that a bit more, so that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's so many great uh, movies that deal with the the... World War II itself, and then the direct aftermath of World War II, you could give somebody uh, a hundred movies just to watch on their own. I do feel like if somebody's studying up and and this is their way that they're looking at things, if, they, if they're, they're watching films to learn about World War II or just studying World War II films in general, I do think this might be an essential one because it is, it is completely different than what I'm used to when it comes to to, to war movies. Yeah, it's a war movie with no combat war. basically. You, yeah, yeah, you see you see some GIs um and you see a couple of bombed out buildings and then there's this surreal imagined bomb sequence with weird fish, but yeah, other than that, that's it. That's that's it for your actual war, which is yeah, as you say, is is not something you're used to seeing. Yeah. So maybe you should go and watch it after all. Um <laughs> <laughs> It's for very specific people. Yes, yes, with very specific movies that they want to watch. Um, okay, great. Uh, well, thank you very much, Joel, for discussing that odd movie with me. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate getting to watch uh, a movie that I'm unfamiliar with in, in any context, but I always appreciate a, a good discussion. Yeah, yeah, no, It's 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 been... The discussion has been more interesting than than the much more interesting, I should say, than the actual experience of watching the film. But it made me feel like I feel like if I just watched that film and not talked about it with anybody, I'd feel like that was kind of a waste of time. But right. Yeah. Yeah. You might forget about it if you don't (laughs) have somebody to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, uh, but anyway, um, before you go, though, uh, is there anything you'd like to direct listeners uh, towards? Well, sure. Uh, Talking about a talking about film discussions. uh, I have my own podcast. I have two podcasts, technically, but uh, I consider one to be more of the other person's podcast. 
And uh, the like, people ask me, "Oh, why? Why do you? Why did you pick that kind of podcast?" It's like, well, because I wanted to force people to watch movies and then talk to me about them. <laughs> That's the <laughs> That's... whole reason. Like, I, I could watch a hundred movies a month, you know, if I really wanted to, but it's not very much fun if you don't have somebody to talk to about it. Yeah. And so I've got a science fiction and fantasy podcast that I do with my co-hosts Sarah and Aaron called "Please Don't Send Me into Outer Space." And we watch science fiction, as I said, science fiction and fantasy movies. Right now we're going through the next generation uh, Star Trek movies. With Patrick Stewart. Not that, that that's how he talks, but that's no, my that's, best No, that's voice. pretty good. That's pretty good. That's better than any of us could do. <laughs> yeah, I have a slightly unfair inbuilt advantage there. Yeah. <laughs> I I appreciate it anyways. <laughs> And uh, we, we talk about a whole range of different stuff uh, that's available on the usual places for podcasts. And the other one I do is Ooh, what with... What was the title? I don't... Did you mention oh, the title? Oh, I did. Did I mention the title? It's called Joel's Podcast of Sci... No, I'm just kidding. It's called <laughs> Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space. Awesome. That'd be good if I, I just totally forgot. <laughs> and then I do a Japanese movie podcast called High and Low, a Kurosawa podcast with Spencer Seams. Where we watch, we are going through uh, Akira Kurosawa's entire library and pairing it up with another movie from each year that the films came out. Uh, most recently, we released the episode on Redbeard, which was Kurosawa's last film with uh, Toshiro Mifune. Took them two years to make, and I, I think it's, I'm pretty sure, don't, don't quote me, I'm pretty sure it's a masterpiece. It's not up there with his his most famous samurai movies because i think those have more of a wide appeal sure but there are things done in redbeard that i have not seen kurosawa do and that just that alone has blown me away uh, there there's a whole bunch of episodes high and low is what that one's called yes yeah and that's that's always that's always good when you've seen enough stuff by a director that you notice the patterns and therefore notice when the patterns are broken yeah so that's well, cool. yeah we've had we've had some real movie movie expert guests on there too recently and they're, they're just kind of blowing me away with information so that's that's another good thing like these people wouldn't give me the time of day if we didn't have this podcast <laughs> oh i'm sure that's i'm sure that's not true no that's probably not and uh, alistair you were on an episode which which one was it i was it was the lower, lower deaths, deaths one, yeah um with the russian connection being that it was an adaptation of a Maxim Gorky play. So going into the slums of, I guess, early early 20th century or late 19th century Japan and generally being quite miserable. Um, but you do have Toshiro Mifune being very cool in it. So that's always worth a watch. So yeah. yes, check that out as well. And and your, your co-host Spencer was on an earlier episode of this podcast. So a shameless plug there uh, it was the episode on tsar about ivan the terrible so you can go and check that one out if you haven't already you guys russia russia nerded out i heard that yes yes it was it was very very nerdy so i'm guessing that's okay <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast you must have at least a passing interest in russia so absolutely all right well thanks again joel this has been really fun thank you okay folks that's all for today dasvidanya Das Vidanya. Or perhaps Sayonara in this case. Sayonara. <laughs>
So that's it for this episode, but before I go, I'd like to thank Sasha Ilukovic and the Highly Skilled Migrants for the use of their song Cold in our intro. You can find that song and the rest of their back catalogue on Bandcamp and Spotify. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a rating at Apple Podcasts or at podchaser.com. That second one, Podchaser, even lets you rate individual episodes, so if this episode particularly stood out to you, you can let other listeners know that you enjoyed it. Recommending the show on social media is hugely helpful as well. If you can spare a moment or two to do that, it would really make my day. Thank you, thank you very much. Speaking of social media... Please find us and say hi on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can also drop us a line at roosfilesunite at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, take care of yourselves, and bye for now.